Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Hello, guys. Sorry I took a bit of a break. I've moved again, and I'm finally settled into my new place, so hopefully I'll get some new episodes lined up for you. But enjoy this episode I recorded while I was in Washington with Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss and her daughter, Emily. So you should go over and definitely subscribe to Kate's. And I'll see you guys soon. So this week we have Kate and a surprise, Emily from Ignorance Uh, Was Bliss. Always a surprise. (laughs) Ta-da! To join us for our little two-week exchange. And I'm going to go first this week as a little fun mix-up in the schedule. And I'm going to talk about the Cleveland Torso Murders. It's going to be story time. I'm ready. I'm surprised also Great Lakes (laughs) Brewing Company does not have a beer after this because there's so many good names. And they just pick all their names from Cleveland history. They have Elliot Ness, but nothing else from the Torso Murders. So, in honor of me being in Washington away from my hometown, also, I thought Kate would really enjoy the story. Um, well, it's a great story. This is one of the earlier um, podcast crossovers mm-hmm. I ever did, is I went and talked on Corpus Delicti about it. That was obviously a different setup from now, but so, I, you know, and I didn't remember, I don't remember now anything about, like, names and dates and, you know, important That's like not that. important. Not for me. So, go yeah. for it. You will be my instructor. School me in this, and I'm going to sit here and drink wine. A good it. storyteller has the ability to make shit up on the fly. I do I that on a regular facts. basis. I mean, I am drinking, I think it's a Portland or something. Oregon, Eugene, Oregon IPA. And it's called Aphidelic IPA. So, during the 1930s, Cleveland was on the up and up. You know, like, now again. And so you have a big population boom, a melting pot of various laborers because um, there's a lot of steel and manufacturing or as now the hastily made Cleveland tourism video says, look at buildings that used to be industry. You could have gone on Millionaire's Row and seen all the fancy houses with some Vanderbilt, some Rockefellers, all those people were there. Cleveland had some big events on the up and up with the Great Lakes Acquisition and the Republican National Convention in, in 1936. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and people were like starting to get back on their feet beside after the Great Depression. And our area of Cleveland we're going to focus on is Kingsbury Run. It's an old riverbed running from the flats, which have finally stopped lo- looking like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. When I was younger, That's they were really I like, love Scooby-Doo. But it's the mad butcher of Kingsbury Run. That's exactly 100% a Scooby-Doo episode. Not like the pissed off butcher. Yeah. Or the mildly yeah. irritated butcher. The irked butcher. Kingsbury the Earth Butcher would have been good. I mean, the wicked pissed. The mildly annoyed. The sunburned <laughs> and itchy. The distressed. Disturbed. All right, go. Courtney, seriously, okay. we're going to stop. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Um, it's kind of like from the flats to East 90th. And basically right now there's the rapid and RTA tracks are still through the run. And uh, this is where all the dispossessed from the Great Depression lived in 
you know, really bad conditions. It's, it's fine. I believe the term hobo jungle, but worse than hobo jungle. Like, here we go again, you know. No. Okay. Vagrant no, forest. No, stop. Vagrant <laughs> forest. But you know, in New York, you still would be charged like six to seven hundred dollars for rent. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a pile. Um, I don't have that. You might. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't think I've ever had that much money combined. Work harder. I. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, um, no. So people who lived here were pretty much transient, and because Cleveland winters fucking suck, uh, hardcore, they often rode the rails to escape. And maybe just to leave Cleveland, I can't blame them. I moved to the Pacific Coast. But <laughs> what? Uh, right next to the run, east of it, with brothels, flop houses, and gambling tents. You know, your classic fun area of the city. Honestly, just imagine the, the most tourist attractive place. I was gonna ever. say that's like our like, living room on your average Saturday night. Yeah. Really. Oh yeah. So you have basically the red light district social area next to hobo village on fire most of the time probably it's cleveland that just sounds like you're asking for some chaos like i feel like cleveland's always asking for some chaos is cleveland okay i mean who hurt you cleveland Right? Cleveland Cleveland needs a hug. But it's, it's because everyone makes fun of us because our river caught on fire. We released a bunch of balloons and it failed. Uh, we decided to have 10 cent beer night and it turned into a drunken riot. I feel like there's more, but I can't remember them all. Uh, well, that was oh, a yeah, the brown chef stolen from us. We had a molasses tank explode in the middle of the streets and everything was sticky for a couple months. I mean, it literally drowned horses. It's true. It drowned a bunch of people, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You so, cannot possibly have a genteel, dignified sort of obituary that involves the word molasses. So, some somewhere. of the some of the Boston streets, when it gets hot out, they still smell like molasses. <laughs> I'm yeah. that. Oh, that must be horrible yeah. if you live there now and it's just so hot and you're just like, well, this is how I live now. Everything smells like molasses. I live in a port, so I'm like... Everything smells like fish constantly, and then I go to work, and everything's not because birds are pooping on me. There's just a lot of bird poop around. An idea. Molasses mm-hmm. made of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Please, that no. sounds like a horrible, horrible, bad Yankee candle that's trying to be fancy, and then it just smells like a flaming pile of garbage. Molasses okay. made of fish. It's, it's a three. It, it's a three-word horror story. That's the candles that they burn in the vagrant forest. <laughs> I hate it smells it. better than the vagrant forest. Okay, well, let's start yeah. with some anyway, murder. You gotta get us back on track, Courtney. You know, hobo jungle. You go. You you do your hobo thing. Shake your okay, do your so thing. Um, <laughs> September nineteen thirty-four. A young man. He's like wandering the shores. Of Lake Erie, and he finds the lower half of a war- woman's torso with the thigh still attached, amputated at the knees, uh, oh, that has well, washed I mean, up on the shore. You don't want to lose your thighs. I the rest would be okay with that. The fur long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess her head would probably matter. mind. But seriously, I mean, if you got to find a torso, it might as well have the thighs, and then you can kind of <laughs> waddle it to the police station <laughs> through the molasses. Okay, so after the they they waddled they waddled it over to the Cuyahoga County Coroner A.J. Pierce, and he was like, "Hey, there's some sort of chemical preservative on the skin because it's um 
red, rough, tough, and leathery, which is very Ooh, disturbing. I don't like the word leathery. And um, so they're they're but looking the for more body parts because you know they only have part of her. And they find a couple more, and they figure out that it's a woman in her mid thirties, but they never find her head. It's like a and puzzle. She was never identified. It's a puzzle. Missing a lot of pieces. So she has only been referred to. As the Lady of the Lake. She's a whole oh lot God. nicer than what it really was. That really does sound like a lot so nicer, nicer than the mm-hmm. leathery torso of a puddle near the lake. <laughs> a leathery torso of oh, a puddle. It was more. Uh, and stop, they stop. and they didn't really they didn't really even uh, include this in the killing until two years later, and so she's victim zero. Cool. Okay. Ooh. Cool. If I gotta be the victim of a serial killer, I want to say right now I would like to be considered victim zero. <laughs> Patient zero. <laughs> Bitch zero. So, the next year, in September 1935, two teenage boys discovered the decapitated, emasculated corpse of a white male at the base of Jackass Hill. Yes, it fits Cleveland. The body was naked, except for a pair of socks. And was cleaned and drained of blood. They get except for socks and missing a penis. That's and a head. Kind of my opposite right now. It's like the flip side yeah. for me at the moment. Are you not wearing socks? You are wearing socks. So I'm saying, <laughs> no, I don't have a penis. It's me actually, except I'm not naked. It's you. Never mind. I have nothing to do with this at all. So yeah. Sorry. I'll shut up. Um, they discovered that there were rope burns around both wrists, so he was tied up, and the. Same coroner, Coroner Pierce, determined that the cause of death had been decapitation. Well, that identified- I mean, which is a big deal because usually you decapitate after death, grasshopper. Yeah, I'm not. I know. I knew this. Allow me. No. To instruct you. Stop. You're like man. You're like woman explaining me. Actually. Mom explaining me. <laughs> well, actually, I'm ma'am. Mom explaining. That's what I'm doing. Shut up. <laughs> okay, so they actually identified this victim through his fingerprints. It was. Edward Andrassy, a 28-year-old white male, he had an arrest record, which uh, is how they had his fingerprints, and he was rumored to be, gasp, a homosexual, and had frequented the Roaring Third. My damn homosexuals. He was probably into that kinky stuff, too. Oh, man. It's always us, isn't it? It's It's the gays. Troublemakers. Um, Yeah. And they discovered another body in September nearby, which was also decapitated and emasculated, covered with the same chemicals as the Lady of the Lake, and had been there for a couple of weeks, and it was a 40-year-old white male that was never identified. Yeah. You know, two white males, emasculated and decapitated. And probably all gay. I mean, one was wearing leather. One was leather. Oh my god. (laughs) Leather chaps. They're leather leather bears. Everything. I figured it out. Yeah. Um, And in January 1936, the next year, a woman discovers half of a body of a female neatly wrapped in newspaper and packed into half-bushel baskets. How considerate. Like you do. I mean... That's neater than the other ones. You gotta give them credit. So they discovered the baskets along the Hart Manufacturing Building on Central Avenue, New York East, 20th Street. And they managed to recover everything but the head in 10 days in a vacant lot near Orange Avenue. And uh, they, again, the cause of death was decapitation. What this means is that somewhere in Cleveland, right. there is a pile of heads. A pyramid of severed heads. <laughs> this is in Cleveland where they created Cards Against Humanity? I don't I know, hope. but probably. I mean, 
but in any case, there really is. There is a room full of severed heads that we haven't found yet. That's the answer. Let's go to Cleveland. Adventuring. Totally <laughs> so this time it was a little different because the killer waited for rigor mortis to set in before uh, disarticulating the rest of the body. So they cut off the head and then waited for the body to set. And again, the fingerprinting would allow for the identification of the victim, Florence Polillo, a waitress, barmaid, and prostitute, which is what I think everyone aims to be. I think it's all one job you could do this. You know, if you were working at a certain place, you could be a waitress, a barmaid, and a prostitute. At the same time. On the bar, (laughs) you're having sex at one end and you hand over the cheese fries with the other. I mean... The fried cheese. I was I was thinking like you know it's a full service bar. You give them a drink, you give them some snacks, you go fuck them in the back. What more do you want? You don't even have to go to the back. You just blow them over the bar. We're good. I thanks. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So she lived right on the edge of the Roaring Third. So we have a theme. They're dumped in Kingsbury Run, but they they live and work near the Roaring Third. Hmm. Interesting. Foreshadowing. June of 1936, two boys discovered the head of a white male wrapped in a pair of trousers near the East 55th Street Bridge. And he had his head up his ass. (laughs) Yeah, he did. That's the answer. So they discover the body of a 20-something-year-old man the next day dumped in front of the Nickel Plate Railroad Police Building. So the guy just dumped a body in front of the police station. He's like, yep a good job here it's fine they found the corpse was cleaned and drained of blood and it was intact except for the head and again cause of death decapitation okay so they had a set of fingerprints six distinctive tattoos and the guy was never identified i'm thinking i should start getting some more tattoos yeah six is not enough that's yeah That's the answer. I was sitting here trying to count mine, but I have had just enough wine that I can't count my tattoos. It's a problem. <laughs> I have two. Um, you have six. I have six. You have, have mom has six. More. Oh, now you have to. Okay, so you're fine <laughs> if you as long as you have a head, they'll be able to identify you. Hopefully, probably. Yeah. So they took a plaster map, a reproduction of the man's head, and they did a diagram of the kind and location of the tattoos to display at the Great Lakes Exposition of 1936. And more than a thousand people saw them and never identified the man. They, but the original did they death put map. Head on a stick? <laughs> I don't know if they put a decapitated head on a stick. Decapitated head on a stick, like a puppet. Hello. <laughs> they did no, not. They just stuck their arm right in. There. Well, yeah, like a puppet. Do you know my name? <laughs> It's awful. I'm fine. It's awful. I'm fine. Um, So, but you can see the original death mask along with three others from the case at the Cleveland Police Museum. Aww. That's awesome. It would be a fantastic first date. Right? I've seen it. I've seen them. So awesome. I I saw them in high school. (laughs) I mean, we've smelled the molasses, but that's about it. Yeah. I haven't (laughs) seen a horse drown yet. There's time. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> Please do. Okay, so the next month, July, a teenage girl came ac- across the decapitated remains of a 40-year-old white male while walking in the woods near Clinton Road and Big Creek while on the west side. Again, don't walk in the woods. This is all this is telling me is don't walk in the woods. I mean, don't exercise, don't walk dogs anywhere near the woods. That's the rule. Just, I've broken the walking the dog the hobo rule. It's the vagrant forest. Vagrant forest. That's where she was walking. 
See? Oh my god. Go hang out at the Hobo Jungle, you'll be fine. <laughs> Hobo so, Jungle save. Um, the victim had been dead about two months, and his head, as well as a pile of bloody clothing, was found nearby. Nice. And the police have t- had determined, because of the amount of blood that had been in- seeped into the ground, that the man had been killed where his body was found. Someone killed him huh. and carried his body and clothes away, which is creepy. A little. Um, I mean, points for hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, really getting your workout in. I mean, Dead I don't know how, hauling. what is a human head? Eight pounds. Eight pounds? That's pretty heavy, yeah. you know? Carrying like a bowling yeah. ball around this. Yeah, if you like lifted it with your arm while you were walking, yeah, you'd get some... I mean, mm-hmm. there's, that's a lot of steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... The next body was found in September 1936, so two months later. A uh, transient trips over the upper half of a man's torso while trying to hop a train at Which, East That's East horrifying. This is mm-hmm. why it's dangerous to hop a train. But, why? Because you might trip over a transient or because you might trip over a torso? Well, presumably the torso what if you trip over both? It's just a big pile of crap. They don't <laughs> jump a train. Just don't. Okay, you've trained me well. <laughs> as it were. But we're getting stay, derailed. Stay on track. Okay, so the the uh, police <laughs> searched a nearby pool, um, which was basically a big open sewer, and found the lower half of the torso and parts of both legs. They sent a diver in to make the recovery. First of all, never volunteer for that job. That oh, if you're in tra- no. if you're in the hobo village and you have to go in an open pool that's basically a sewer to go look for body parts, don't volunteer for that. Never volunteer for that. No, I'm thinking they're not paid enough. For sure. Oh, no. Um, so, guess how many people came to watch that? Oh, several thousand, at least. At least, yeah. I would go. That's a good way to spend an afternoon. Only over about 600, and I think the killer was among them. Huh. Well, yeah, why not? You want to see your handiwork admired. Oh, I would just want to watch the police try to struggle and get all the body parts, but that might just be me. Um, Plus, I want to watch the police swim in a pool of shit, you know. The sixth victim was in his late 20s, and a cause of death, decapitation. Apparently, he's good at it. If you have a talent, you might as well follow through. Let your light shine. Right? The coroner Pierce, again, noted that the lack of hesitation marks and the disarticulation of the body indicated a strong, confident killer with that was very familiar with human anatomy. What? I was going to say, it's <laughs> your sixth victim, confident. so... I mean, why not? I'm also an Aries. You should send that tip in to, to Cleveland Police. Be like, I think the torso murderer was an Aries. He's very yeah. strong, confident. Check birth dates, yeah. Apparently, the head had been taken off with one bold, clean stroke. That's impressive. People paid extra money for that shit. You gotta be Um, rage-filled, too. Have you seen the, what is it called? The double-sided axe that executioners would use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was not called a yeah. I don't know what it was called. (laughs) That's what I'm asking. Oh, I don't know. But I mean, that shit's big and heavy and, anyway. Well, no, the French were known for their execution skills, and they used swords. They were known for their very sharp swords. I mean... That's not awesome, but it's awesome. Anne Boleyn paid extra to have a French executioner, so it would be quick and accurate. I mean, we're talking a matter of moments here. I mean, perspective, Anne. Come on. But I mean, if you're going to pay extra for anything, it might as well be bad. Like, It's not like you're going to spend it anywhere else. Right? At that time, you could actually, they could mess up because there was no real way to train to do that. So they could be hacking at your neck for minutes. 
Wow. Think about I that. mean, I bet those minutes feel like a long time, especially if you didn't get a snack on the way to the gallows, you know? So they have never identified the sixth victim. And uh, there were six brutal killings in one year, and the police were very confused and up a creek without a paddle. All the press was reporting on the da- the killings almost daily and the lack of suspect. There's a lot of tension in the city, and the whole like question was, who is the mad butcher of Kingsbury Run? That's a cool name, and, though. The oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the sunburnt and itchy butcher. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the mayor, Harold Burton, gave in to the mounting pressure from the press and the public and got recently appointed... Safety director Elliot Ness to get more involved in the case. Elliot Ness of the mob, like fame, took down wicked, mob people. Wicked Ness. Wicked Ness. He's Ness like. He's Ness. It is also a beer from uh, Great Lakes Brewery. I highly recommend it. It's quite delicious. If <laughs> <laughs> you're in the Midwest, they'll probably have it. So Coroner Pierce calls for what the newspapers co- dubbed a torso clinic, which was a meeting of police, the coroner, and other experts to discuss information and profile someone who could be responsible for these killings. They a needed a mind hunter. Clinic. You don't have a torso, you don't get in. That's a rule. Fair enough. It seems unfair to me. No but... shirt, no shoes, no toy, no service. Exactly. What if you were only a torso? Could you still get in? It seems like I mean, it's a torso clinic. As long as you're also wearing a shirt and shoes. <laughs> Well, the the, sh- the shirt part's easy, but the shoes... <laughs> well, as long as you have your thighs. You're going to be waddled in, I'm telling you. Someone please draw just a torso trying to get into the torso clinic. I will. Oh, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I do. Emily, Emily's just going to be up all night and be like, I found the torso. <laughs> She'll do it. She's got a little hat just on the head numb. And we'll be amazed. Um, okay, <laughs> So the police department put detectives Peter Merlow and Martin Lewinsky on the case full time. On the case. And so can you imagine 40 hours a week of just going over what you already know? Like, look, there's no head here. Huh. (laughs) Hey, we have torsos. We have torsos. There's no head. Oh, look, leathery. Huh. (laughs) I mean, wow. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're the serial killers. That would drive me insane. Drive me mad. Yeah, so Merlo and Zelensky moved deftly through the seedy underworld of the run in the Roaring Third, dressing the part and often on their own time. Maybe they just wanted to dress as hobos and get drunk and screw some prostitutes. I don't know. I'm not judging them. No, you don't judge by their the life. You just kind of want to know, do they have pictures, you know? Well, it's in the 30s, so probably not. Drawings. Yeah. Eh. By the time they, they had finished the case, the two had interviewed more than 1,500 people, and the department as a whole, more than 5,000. It's the biggest police investigation in Cleveland history. Unfortunately, in November, the elections came in, and our coroner, Pierce, is replaced by uh, the young Democrat and now legendary Sam Gerber, and he and put a fierce... Wait until you hear their solution to this problem. I'm ready. Grace yourself is it gonna be shoes and shirts it is the fucking patriarchy at its finest hi <laughs> men are canceled i'd like to cancel Ger- my subscription and you already have i have yeah i would like to cancel the world's subscription to men well after this you will <laughs> thank god so gerber is known for his fierce dedication to medicine <laughs> along with his degree in law and so he just goes torso first into this case <laughs> is that like okay, a belly flop so- 
into molasses? Well, it's not going to be head first. Right? <laughs> no, we all don't have heads. So in February 1937, a man finds the upper half of a woman's torso washed up on the shores of East Bretonal. My question is, where is what consists of the upper half of your torso? Just like belly button up? Just like boobs. what? Ah, oh, tin Just boobs. <laughs> Boobs in a ribcage. I all. love it. Oh, it's all see, whenever no, there's killers no. just like take out the boobs, I just always tend to clutch mine because I'm just like, no, that just seems unnecessary. Mine. Uh, a chorus line: tits and ass. You know, and in this case, it's just tits. <laughs> I think I just with the, my my ampleness, I just am like that would just hurt a lot. Also, I think I'd be off balance at this point. Um, they had they okay. had this like torture machine in the medieval ages that would like rip your tits off if you were misbehaving. Yeah, we saw it in London. It was terrifying. Mm. Anyways, so the cause of death was not decapitation, but she was decapitated after she was already dead. What happened to the lower half of the torso? Well, about three months later, it washed up about at about East Thirtieth Street. They figured out she was in her mid twenties. And was never identified. I don't know oh, if you what noticed the hell this am I scene. Do with this belly button, <laughs> right? So in June, so a couple months later, a teenage boy discovered a human skull under the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. It Next begins. to it was a burlap, <laughs> a burlap bag containing the skeletal remains of what turned out to be a petite black woman about forty years old. You have to say though, this guy is not discriminating by age, gender, or race. He's going for all. No, he's like, he's all for equality. He just hates everybody equally. I, I do yeah. too. Me too. I really strive for that goal. Um, so they figured out through dental work, which I'm like, hey, look at you. It was one Rose Wallace of Scoville Avenue. And they checked out every lead on her and nothing. In June, or sorry, July of 1937 to the next month, there was a lot of labor problems in the flat, and the National Guard had to be called in to maintain order. While a young guardsman was standing watch by the West Third Street Bridge and saw the first piece of victim number nine in the wake of a passing tugboat. Which means nice. that person's in the river. Dude, um, you um, dropped a person part. You, you yep. dropped a dude. Back up. Back up. You left. You left someone. That has to be. Um, I like to think that he literally. was like a rookie and he was like, that's his first day on the job. And then he's just like, that um, happens. <laughs> he's just like, I'm going back to school. I don't know what to do. I'm going back to school. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So over the next few days, the police recovered the entire body, except for the head again, in the waters of the Cuyahoga River, which is, I'm thinking about at this time. Probably pretty fucking disgusting. Yeah. I mean, Probably catching on fire already. Body parts that they only barely noticed? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> uh, just viscous. Maybe it was molasses. It was viscous. It was slimy. It was leathery. Stop, God. <laughs> Why are you like this? Um, so the abdomen had been gutted and the heart ripped out. And they were like, um, this dude's upping it. He's getting more vicious at this point. And I, they determined it was a male in his mid to late 30s and uh, never identified him again. That's sad. I'd rather yeah. rip my heart right out of my rib cage with my bare hands and then throw it on the floor and stomp on it till I die. <laughs> what is that from? And spend one more minute with you. All right. That's weird, Elliot. <laughs> All right. Um, no more singing. That's okay. a rule. <laughs> Bite me. 
so in April of 1938, so the next year, he waited a little bit. A young laborer was on his way to the work in the flats and looked into the river and like, oh, a dead fish, which I can vouch for you on the Cuyahoga River when I was younger. Lots of dead fish just floating around. I mean, the river smelled bad too at that point. Want to guess what kind of body part? Fish part? Was it fish? one of the fish? Penises that was missing. I found the pile of penises. No, nope. <laughs> I'm guessing torso. Was it? No, no. It was the lower half oh, of a woman's leg. The first oh, part no. of victim number ten. So a month later, so that would be uh, March. The police pull out two burlap bags out of the river, containing both parts of the torso and the rest of the legs. But Gerber, uh, Coroner Gerber, is able to detect drugs in the system for the first time so now the question is were they used to immobilize the victim or were they was she an addict but they could never find her arms which might have told if she was an addict uh but on top of that she was never identified so we have 10 victims and only like three of them are identified it's ridiculous uh crazy august 16th 1938 three scrap collectors were (laughs) foraging in a dump site at east 9th and lakeside and they found a torso of a woman wrapped in a man's double-breasted blue ba- blazer and then wrapped again in an old quilt. So I'm just kind of like, kind of keeping the person cozy. Well, it's, just, it's very Martha Stewart, you know, very sort of layers. Yeah. Um, so the arms and legs were discovered later in a recently constructed makeshift box wrapped in brown butcher paper and held together with rubber bands. Very considerate, keeping everything together. You know, very, like, kind of, like, classy with the brown butcher paper. Again, they found the head similarly wrapped, you know, wrapped with brown butcher paper and held together with rubber bands. You know what? Whatever works. I know. How else are you going to keep your head together as it's decomposing? Um, Our superstar coroner, Gerber, noted that some of the parts looked as if they had been refrigerated. Hmm. It's a torso on a stick. (laughs) I hate it. So they're searching for more pieces, and the police discover the remains of a second body only yards away. There's two bodies found in August. Would you like to know the cherry on top of this? I'm ready. So the two bodies had been placed in a location that was in plain view of Elliot Elliot Ness's office window as if they were almost taunting him. He's like, come at me, bro. Neener, neener, neener. Both victims, 11 and 12, were not, never identified. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Elliot Ness not taking the shit line down. He fought the mob. He's not going to take this mad butcher of Kingsbury run. And on August 18th, so two days later, at 12.40 a.m., so in your time, seven minutes ago, um, Ness and a group of 35 police officers and detectives raided the hobo jungle of the run. The hobo raid. Yeah, well, you know what? They were they weren't just shooting molasses molasses at them. They were assholes. They were shooting ass hattery left, right, and center. Yeah, so it was eleven squad car, two police vans, three fire trucks, and they descended on the largest cluster of makeshift shacks where the Cuyahoga River twists behind Public Square, which is basically downtown Cleveland. And they worked their way south through the run gathering up 30 or 63 men and at dawn the police and the firemen searched the deserted shanties for clues afterwards ness told them the shack should be set on fire and burned to the ground that's the part right there there it is awesome um 
The press criticized Ness for his actions, but the public is afraid and frustrated. And most people were like, yeah, raids are not going to stop the murders. Um, But for some reason, the murder stopped. Uh, In July of 1939, County Sheriff Martin O'Donnell arrested 52-year-old Bohemian Bricklayer, which is what I want to be. It just sounds awesome. I personally would like. I, I personally would like to be an Icelandic sheep herder. Mm. It could be arranged. I think I can. Yeah. First, you need sheep. That's okay. Then you need Iceland. That's okay. Okay. Maybe I'll ride a sheep to Iceland. I mean, you might as well. See ya. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, so the Bohemian bricklayer Frank Dozel for the murder of Flo Potillo, uh, because Dozel had lived with Flo for a while. And uh, they were investigating him, and they revealed that he had been acquainted with Edward Andrassy and Rose Wallace, so two of the other victims. Basically, his confession to the murder uh, was a mix of incoherent ramblings and neat, precise details. Basically, he'd been coached. And on top of it, before he could go to trial, Dozel was found dead in his cell. He managed to hang himself uh, from a 5-foot, 7-inches hook, when he was five foot eight, and on top of that, Gerber did his autopsy, which revealed six broken ribs, which had only been obtained in sheriff's custody. You know, whatever works. Well, um, uh, I'm not a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist, except for right this minute. Yeah, you are. Yeah. No, I hate conspiracies. Too complicated. Too many names. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> um, but basically, no one thinks. Dozel was the torso killer. But like, why were they trying to pin it on him so hard? No one really gets it uh well just there are somebody you know escapes are only good if you have a goat yeah basically elliot ness did clearly have a suspect that he believed was the killer and they the suspect taunted ness for years um but because of um the suspect's connections and all that like ness couldn't do anything that's the doctor on top of it yeah the doctor basically the doctor I can't remember his name, ended up in, a, he got committed. And so it could have been why that stopped. But, uh, Pierce? I mean, but he had an awfully good, he looked awfully good for it. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he did was everything too, seemed to, you know, he was too well connected, exactly what you're saying, to mm-hmm. really take the fall for it. Yeah. The cherry on the cake, though, I think is Ness basically tried to get him on it, but the, like, because he was connected to a lot of people in City Hall. He just, it wasn't happening. It wasn't going to happen. And it kind of, this kind of killed Ness's career after being that hero from like taking, helping Chicago with the mob. Um, But you can't even go look at the police records for this because they've either been lost, destroyed, or removed. Wow, that sounds a little sketchy. It's, It's not patriarchy if it's really actually patriarchy. I mean, I knew know Cleveland had some fires, and I could believe that could be partially the reason, but not the whole reason, you know? Yeah. Right but yeah, for sure. that's the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, or the Cleveland Torso Murders. Awesome. Uh, who, who do you think so, did it? <clears throat> I think Sweeney did it. I mean, Sweeney, I didn't go really into Sweeney, but just because, I mean, everyone kind of knows Sweeney did it, but, like, you couldn't prove it. It just, he was so good for it. He was, like, he was having breaks and all of that, and he was a doctor. So he would have been good at me. Yeah. One would, one would imagine. But, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like 
Sweeney, it would have been hard to hide it from friends and family in between mm-hmm. the murders. And he had friends and family. You know, yeah. most serial killers live alone for many of their um, games, if not all of their games. Because, you know, mm-hmm. your family, especially this guy, your family's going to notice if they're like, Dad, you left the lower leg downstairs again. You know, oh. it's gross. Could you pick it up? Right. Yeah. You're leaving all your removed penises in the hallway. Right? There's a hallway full of penises. Could you stop? Just could you not? So I, I that's mean, my doubt with him. Because I don't remember how many kids he had, but I know he was married. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I'm skeptical. Plus they gave him polygraphs and, you know, polygraphs suck. <laughs> So what if, let's just say, it's more than one person? Again, hard to, I mean, when you get to more than one person, now mm-hmm. you have to hide it. You know, you're, like, you, like you have to, what's that, what's the saying about two people can share a secret when one of them's dead? Well, I'm not saying like there's so, two people, like I'm saying there's two people committing similar murders at the same time. Uh, not, I mean, not, decapitating well alive is such an unusual thing to do especially because you don't have the setup so yeah i mean there if i i I would have to this is all coming from memory and so i don't have any but i seem to recall (laughs) that there was another suspect in the area um my my and this is the one that i would go with was a butcher and You know, an actual, like, not just mad, mm-hmm. not just itchy, but an actual molasses-free type butcher. Oh, that's boring. Molasses-free. Well, but, so that means you got somebody who's got bloodstained clothing and nobody notices. And he's going to have the setup to use these enormous cleavers and drain blood and stuff like that. And he's going to be carrying heavy packages through the streets. And everybody's just going to be like, yeah, there's Joe with a cow's head. And he's going to be like, ha, 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 not a cow. It's actually <laughs> boobs. It's, it's boobs. <laughs> boobs. Oh. You know, the way men do. <laughs> so. Just oh. men. <laughs> boobs. Uh, Me too. You could at least be more like, hee boobs. No. Well, <laughs> well, maternal pride right here. But anyway, I mean, that that's somebody that I don't even know the name of. I just, I had seen an article somewhere about how there was a map of the area. And here is literally a funeral home next to a, a butcher. And how convenient is that, you know? And in that day and age, if dad's got to take, you know, take a break for a couple hours in the evening, nobody gets to ask about it. And dad comes home splattered in blood. And most people are going to notice unless dad's a butcher. And then they're going to be like, oh, look, overtime. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) It's one of the few jobs when you come home covered in blood, people aren't going to be like, that's weird. That's weird. I mean, if, if if your dad came home covered in blood, if my dad came home covered in blood, I would look twice. I might not ask anything because I might not want the story, but I would look twice for sure. I would want the story. Yeah. I wouldn't ask because I would feel like I would be next. No. There's that. I want I my curiosity would burn too hard. I feel like I would so much rather know than die much later, but unsatisfied. There is that. Yeah. My sister and I always joke that we know how our parents would dispose of our bodies. The reason why we'd be murdered probably is sarcasm. But besides that, we're like, yep, we know how each of our parents would dispose of our body and you probably wouldn't find us. Apparently that's not something people talk about. How how would they dispose of your bodies? Um, My father, you would never find us. We just know you you would never find us. It would be like in the woods or something. He just knows somewhere where no one would ever find our bodies. My mom, because she's a chemist, would 
definitely dispose of our bodies with chemicals. Like, she would know which one to get that would get rid of everything. Well, that's terrifying. My dad's a math what? teacher, and my mom runs a podcast, so... Your mom knows where safe. to hide the bodies. My mom knows where to hide the bodies, but my dad's a math teacher, so, you know... He would carry the bodies and count them. Count the molasses. Yeah. He could figure out how much molasses it was. Exactly. Okay. He probably already knows. So, I don't know. So, Kate, do you want to do your uh, social medias and plugs? Your butt plugs? Yes. Uh, you know, well, no, no. No, I don't want to do those at all. I would love to do my butt plug. Yeah, I'm Kate, and this is Emily. We are both from Ignorance Was Bliss, and I'm at IWB Podcast on social medias and podcatchers, and that's it. Okay, so we will see you guys next week when Kate's going to tell her story. Awesome. Hello, I'm Lude Gallifrey. I'm Sage Murray. And I'm Leon Felger. And we are the Occulte Veritatis Podcast. We talk about anything that intrigues, horrifies, or interests us, including true crime. Serial killers. Military conspiracies. <laughs> and other mysteries and horrors of reality. So get cozy with your favorite alcoholic beverage. Smoke oh, a joint or two. Only if it's legally purchased medicinal marijuana, of course. And tune in. We would love to have you. You would. You can find all of our links, all of the ways you can subscribe, and the rest of our bullshit at www.ovpod.ca. We hope you listen in soon. Thank you for listening to the cult of domesticity we are available on all podcatchers on social media we're on facebook and twitter at the domestic podcast and instagram at the cult of domesticity if you have a topic request information or want to send us a recipe please email us at the domestic podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe and share with all your friends remember to stay domestic and cult free